Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. What is up, people? It is Friday. It is a spontaneous, I guess, live stream. We weren't going to do a live stream, but hey, why not do a live stream right in the week with the live stream? And I have my good friend, the one, the only G-Web's coming on. But before we get into that, I wanted to say, remember, you can support this channel by supporting the people that support us. There is Tusk. Tusk is a cryptocurrency that is very gun-friendly, and they're they're actually involved in a movie. We'll talk about that next week a little bit, but here we go. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet. With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. And not only that, but we are... Oh, I'm wearing my Tufts t-shirt. I just realized that. Not only that, we are sponsored by Black Fawn Tactical. Black Fawn Tactical is near and dear to my heart because it's mine. And I hit the wrong button. Black Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear. With shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more. There's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY. Unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And remember, you can always support us by hitting that join button below or on the Patreon. Patreon is uh, where I get money to do my projects. I do a lot of different projects from charities to 2A stuff. Uh, We've done a lot of really cool stuff. And we also have a Discord. Discord is... um, where you can come over and chat with me and just hang out. We have a really awesome community. I will be be putting the uh, thing. Oh, there's Rob McNeely, the founder of Tusk in the audience on uh, over on Periscope. Hi, Rob. Yep. So with that said, I'm going to introduce our guest. Our guest is the one, the only Mr. G Webs. What is up, G Webs? Good afternoon. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for doing an impromptu show this afternoon. Yeah, I just decided I wanted to do it, you know. <laughs> it's one of those things where I was like, I'm going to be bored. Um, Yeah, so here's the thing, right? There is a lot of crazy gun stuff going on um, from the ATF and everything else. One of the things that the ATF has done is introduced um, these new regulations that should be posted to the federal registry and i'm not sure why it hasn't 
been posted to the federal registry, but you can't comment until it is. And a lot of people want to comment and a lot of people have decided to go the route of writing in letters, right? But if they get the letters before the official comment period, the letters just get destroyed. So if you write the letters, do not, you know, do not mail them yet. Do you think uh, what are the consequences of mailing more than one letter or like a duplicate letter? Uh, Is there a yeah, you can do a duplicate. You can do a duplicate letter, but if anything arrives before the comment period, then they're not going to be uh, used. You know, so it's just one of those things where it's. It's kind of tricky, and I don't know if they did that on purpose by giving everyone a heads up. But the official comment period does not begin until they post it to the federal registry. I contacted the ATF to try to get a reason why they're so delayed on publishing it, but they haven't told me. One of the things that's my concern is they can still modify it up until they send it into the federal registry. So I don't know if they're going to try to flip something in, which is actually a tactic that have that people have used in the past where they slip something in after they show a proposed rule and everyone gets the proposed rule. And then all of a sudden they submit one to the federal registry that have something in there that people don't catch. Uh, if they were going that route and it wasn't from some other reason, then is there anything that you can see that was in there that would be omitted, like that would be strategically omitted? I mean, obviously what could be added is infinite, but is there anything that we've already seen that if they omitted it, it could change things? I mean, they can change words around to make it a little bit more robust, um, or they can just totally ban stuff. Uh, but uh, like send it in, send it out and say we're going to do this proposed change where it says like receivers are the same as Jello, but then you, you, you they when they actually does send it up to be commented on, it says they're the same as every dessert, and then nobody sees that. I mean, their hope, I guess, would be that nobody sees that little change. Yeah, I hope that's not what they're doing, but um, I have seen it in other. I've been doing a little bit of research on this and. Uh, apparently it's very common to do that <laughs> on other well, I mean, like other, but branches of the executive branch, like other departments of the executive branch. Cause that would be other people doing this thing. Right. Yeah. So other communities are going to be affected differently. Like if they were trying to pull something past a bunch of people that are fishing, you know, that's a different community than a bunch of people that have an interest in speed limits, right? So these other times that they've been sly about it or using this as a, basically it's when you own the bureaucracy, you know all the little tools and things to do to, you you know, it's intricacy. So you know how to make it, you know how to play it like an instrument and make it appear one way and then work another way, right? So uh, I guess the thing would be, is this like so common that every bureau- bureaucrat knows about it? Or is it something like you think ATF is paying attention to DOJ, which is doing something like this? You know, is it like a specific thing or is it just in general? No, like, it's just in general. They do this stuff all the time. 
especially when there's something controversial that they really want to get past. Rich is saying, are they waiting for us to send in comments because they know that people sent in like eloquent, useful, you know, on point comments last time. So Uh, are they knowing that's going to happen? Are they waiting to get a bunch of like the pre comments so that they can adjust their tactics based on our awareness or perception? No, I mean, they won't, um, they won't actually read the comments at all. Oh, it'll just go like to void. It, yeah, it goes to the, the the federal registry. Will just destroy the comments. Oh, they're not even like put in a pile. Like they're just like we can't use these, so therefore they're destroyed. Yeah, and and tell yeah, that makes sense. That's good. Well, tell. but then like, we don't know if somebody's going to sit there and go, "Okay, they're destroyed." Wink, wink. And now let's open them and read them all. And see yeah, I mean, the, I mean, they could do that. Um, I I I think it'd be more likely they did that they it, it will be destroyed because the the federal registry is not the ATF. The federal registry takes all the comments during the comment period, then hands them to the ATF. Along with like every other, like they're the secretary of the whole government. You're saying like, they're not just the ATF secretary. They're the secretary for the department of defense and agriculture yeah, and with, everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right on. So, I mean, it's a little bit confusing and it can get complicated because people don't really understand it. And when you were doing the, the freedom of information thing earlier, you reposted that what on this channel from the other channel yeah, earlier today. Yeah. Because I only got like, I only got like, uh, when, when I posted it originally, I only got le- less than a hundred views. <laughs> well, somebody was posting on the comments while you were premiering it, that it should be an easier process. And, it's, know, it's not meant to be an easy process. They make it, yeah, it convoluted easy, and complicated. Well, it would be like everybody would go like, oh, just like a denial of service attack, right? Like, oh, if everybody could just say stop government real quick and explain why there's red lights or stop and explain why the red light happened at 1058, not 1059, then government would never move. I mean, I'm all about government never moving. But I'd rather remove all government so there's nothing to move than waste a bunch of money building a government and then bogging it down so it can't move. So I guess what I'm saying is back in the day before Internet, that was a process that probably only reporters ever dealt with. And then every once in a while, somebody who was really persistent about something or an advocate. But now if they made it super easy, then there would have to be a whole department of government just to tell us what government is doing, right? There is a whole department of government that. <laughs> there to tell if a government is doing well good but i mean it would have to be i don't want it to be three times larger is what i'm saying right? yeah i don't want it to be larger than government itself or anything yeah so but, it's like a balance is all i guess i'm saying i don't want it to be so easy that it bogs down the government because then it's just a waste of time why did we build a thing in the first place but at the same time i don't want it to be like exclusionatory or whatever but yeah there should be enough effort that it's not just a casual like let me spray paint over the window on the government so it has to come out and pay for the spray paint to be removed well no i mean i don't want it to be that easy but i would love for it to be a standard because the because if you saw the video there's a couple different ways that you can do it you have to do oh yeah no it's it's definitely i don't know i mean i've dealt with that's a different bureaucracy and i'd say that's about six on a level of one to ten as far as difficulty of bureaucracy it wasn't the worst thing i'd ever seen it was fairly obvious but it was also complicated but it's it's not hard i mean it's not hard it's just people don't take the initiative where you know that's your right to know that stuff oh yeah i'm not saying that's not a point 
And I just, I'm just saying if it was, well, what I just said, you know, if it was too big, then we'd be wasting all of our tax money just telling everybody what everybody could just find out other ways. Because the government should tell us stuff, too. Some of that should be keeping them accountable. Like if they get a bunch of requests, like what's the answer to this question? Then doesn't the government at some point look at itself and go, hey, why are we asking this, answering this question so many times? Go address this question, department, like quit bothering this other department to be your secretary. They're only here for, you know, general questions, not to be your FAQ section. Go build one. Or am I, is that asking too much out of the system? <laughs> the, the system is broke, right? Uh, so here, here's the thing. Um, one of the interesting things about the whole FOIA process is that the more you FOIA, the more they see your name, the more they're going to respond to you. Because it's regular people. It's it's regular people that process it. And if they keep on seeing your name, they're like, oh, this guy's going to bug me until I give him the information. And then they'll give you the information. So if even if you don't get anything back on the first time, you have to bug them until you get something back. The more you do that, the more they're going to know who you are. And then they're not going to make you bug, bug them. So the more you FOIA and the more you bug them, the more that you're not going to have to bug them in the future. And I think everyone should FOIA themselves. You know? But it's just uh, one of those things where it, people need to start being citizen journalist and citizen activist. We've had this discussion before where, you know, it's time for people to not to stop thinking that, you know, just paying $25 a year is good enough to protect their gun rights because it's not. Well, I mean, the thing is, you don't need everybody. You only need one out of a thousand or one out of 10,000 probably to actually do that, to figure out, hey, there's more I can do. And I, you know, whether or not they feel like they should, they can. And a couple of people that do it is all we need. We only need, what, 3 to 5% ever to do anything, really, to accomplish stuff. You just got to get the ball rolling. Once it becomes something that people can get behind, people can see a good thing when they see it. And, uh, yeah, I agree. This is definitely a, an interesting time, one of the best times to do it, I think, but an interesting time, too. Yeah, it is definitely an uh, interesting time to do it, and it's and it's definitely the right time to do it. I mean, if, you, if we don't do it now, I mean, when we're going to have a better time to do it, right? When our rights are being attacked, that's when we need to stand up because uh, politicians respond to pressure, um, and a lot, a lot of people don't realize that. That's how, like, Virginia, for example, we don't have an assault weapons ban here. We don't have a magazine ban, and that we were on the verge of having that in Virginia, but so many people showed up at the Capitol to have a peaceful assembly and at all these Second Amendment sanctuary places that if you even ask the Democrats that voted against it, you ask them why they voted against it. It's like because the amount of people that showed up. You know, it, and so it, it works. We can't compete with the anti-gunners on money because we don't have billionaires funding us. So we have to do it through grassroots movements. 
we have to work work smarter. Um, I know some organizations have not worked smarter lately, but yeah, I mean, hopefully those organizations will get back to their roots and and you know come back to the fold of being gun good gun organizations. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but that's what needs to happen. They they need to drain the swamp, so to speak. <laughs> I'm not sure what Johnny's talking about, but all organizations are made up of members. So, yeah, it's just a matter of members deciding it's worth you know, doing stuff as members or moving to different organizations or leaving organizations altogether. But, yeah, that stuff shifts. But, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I do know that there's a couple board members of the NRA that's uh, anti Wayne that have decided they I don't think it's been announced but they decided they're not going to run again yeah that's interesting like say it's uh that's a whole different one to try to get your head around because there's only x amount of information and it's only so many people anymore that even pay attention to what's happening there so yeah yeah but I mean I was hoping that I was hoping that the anti-wing people would stay on board right that's what I definitely like to see have an alternative because without an alternative it's just you know you don't have much left over it's just all kind of rotten inside so if yeah all the good pieces leave then they're not there to heal or whatever yeah Yeah, the couple that i talked to today they basically said they're done they're they don't think it's going to change and they don't have the energy they're burnt out of fighting back So, you know, I personally don't think that the NRA is six people or 10 people or one person. It's 5 million people. So I'm never going to be defeatist with 150-year-old organizations that last through, I don't know, two world wars and everything else the country's pretty much lived through. Uh, no, that no. organization yeah. dies. You just talked about having the other side having all the money. Uh-huh. So the 20th richest person in the planet is Bloomberg. The last time I looked, he's ranked 20th richest person on the planet. He couldn't pay to take down the NRA. But instead, the people who are NRA members are standing there, not paying attention, have a dumb look on their face, pouring money or gasoline onto the fire if they're doing it wrong, right? Or they're just feeling whatever. But, you know, there's no right or wrong, but there's 5 million members that are involved. And then you got a whole bunch of people that are just warming their hands and cooking hot dogs on the flames. Well, Bloomberg couldn't pay people for that. He couldn't pay. He paid the chick from Monsanto to leave Monsanto and start fighting the NRA. She couldn't affect that. Instead, it's it's Wayne and a couple of his friends and then apathy and, and disinterest of five million members that allowed it to decay. So there's no way I'm going to feel apathetic and go, oh, well, good riddance. That thing has three m- m- museums that are full of memorabilia that are this country's history. Firearms are our history. The NRA has accumulated that history, mostly through donations from the families that own that stuff. That's just the pieces that I'm most interested in. You've got all the ranges that the NRA backs. You've got all the training and stuff. And you get all these trainers that, you know, want to put in their two cents. But, you know, NRA established itself over decades and decades. So the fact that they did a bunch of stuff that nobody else wanted to do, and now people are willing to capitalize on that. That's the sad part. 
Yeah. How, how do you? So I'm not going to just sit here and go, it's, oh, yeah, it's the NRA's fault. All right. It's not the five million members' fault. It's not Wayne's fault. It's just uh, the way it is. Man. And we either going to pick up our our losses and move with it, or we're going to stand there and watch it burn and effectively give it to Bloomberg. But no, I'm never going to get like apathetic and weepy about uh, how the NRA, it's their fault or somebody else did it. We all did it by not paying attention and by now standing here not doing nothing. We could be having constant efforts. We could be rallying together as a gun community to save the NRA in about 17 different ways. There's no one way to save a membership organization of 5 million people. There's a way to get the trainers to do it six different ways. There's the gun ranges to save it six different ways. The museum people, the sporting clubs. Think about all the shooting uh, events that happen. Now, there's tons of different ways the NRA could be saved. Instead, everyone's capitalizing and exploiting the fact that it's festering and that it's dying. That just feeds Wayne and his ilk. Sorry, I can't. I'm not here to rage on the NRA or nothing, but I think it's an opportunity that we're missing by just sitting here watching it. We're like, oh, we should have the government do things. We should have the NRA do stuff. How about we challenge ourselves to do something? Anyway, sorry. What do you think about, uh, like, uh, here we got a comment from our Periscope here that says alternative groups didn't exist before. Yeah. Alternative groups didn't exist before. Other groups can pick up uh from the NRA. Alternative groups didn't exist before when? 1971? That's the first alternative group I'm aware of. So this is a recent problem since 1971? Yeah, and uh, I guess another comment from Periscope is people don't want to give their money to the NRA because they feel that it's a corrupt organization. Which is Twitter. I never petitioned for giving them money, so if you can only think of the binary positions of give the NRA all your money or hate the NRA, then you have no... uh, awareness of the, the middle ground and the, the potential I was just talking about. Um, we got another I don't comment. think the NRA exists for your rights, Walt. The NRA exists. You decide whether or not you're going to support it or watch it burn, but the NRA wasn't there for your rights. There was some marketing that suggested stuff for your rights. The NRA is there as a membership organization. It's us who are going to you know, interact with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just don't know how someone can get so entrenched at the NRA that it's almost it's like impossible to get them out. Like Wayne, how did Wayne LaPierre in 1980? Well, go read the. I mean, what do you want? Like a blow by blow of how it happened? There's books written about well, it. Well, no, I, I know how it is. I know how he got in there, but when it he got in there because there was a back and forth on whether the NRA was going to even be a political organization. And then there was a whole bunch of politics happening in the real world. And as soon as the NRA like challenged some of that and everybody took a breath, apathy set in and there started to be the ping pong game of like, oh, gun owners are a bunch of dummies. And if we can use them like a mechanism, if we just get them upset every once in a while and everybody just started leaning into that. And when as far as I'm aware from my research of it, when Neil Knox petitioned to be the president of the NRA, Wayne LaPierre hired uh, what's his name, the guy from Planet of the Apes, Charles and Heston. And he said, from my cold dead hands, like an actor, Wayne got him in. And then from then on, it started. So what, since the 80s? So, I don't know, 150 year old, year old organization and a couple of decades of apathy and corruption. So no, what? No, what I'm talking about. Can be done. There's no, there's no need to, to, come up with exciting ways to figure that out? No, I th- I, th- I think that there 
that it can, I, I'm of the opinion, a lot of people like, I see in like uh, Periscope and stuff saying that NRA is unfixable. I, I think it can be fixed. I don't think it can be fixed with Wayne at the head. Nobody does. Of course not. So why is the board so protective of Wayne? Wayne's board? I don't. I think you need to get into way more nuance if you really want to talk to the NRA. I mean, if you really think that Wayne Lapierre, the guy who's the, you know, the punching bag, is the real head of the NRA, then I don't think we're talking the real game. And I'm not saying I know it all, but I know there's organizations yesterday that had a, like an hour plus long conversation about it, and those are people that are interested in what's going on with it and what all's the implications of it. But on the surface, to just say that Wayne LaPierre is a bad guy or something and that if you just quit giving him money, that'll solve the problem, that's ridiculous. It's just short-sighted. No, I, I think it's, it goes much farther than Wayne, but it, I think it's Wayne and his ilk in there that is the problem. That That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm trying to read comments too. Yeah, so. yeah, I think Wayne needs to go, and uh, his support mechanisms need to go. Yeah, that's obvious. What has to happen is that the membership has to, like I say, to understand that it's not going to be done for them, and that the membership, you know, has a challenge, an opportunity to affect change in this organization, and that's not going to happen by any of the sub organizations or this, what do you call them? Like the adjacent organizations with letters, they're not going to instigate that. They got no interest in that. The NRA never, you know, it, it had the opportunity and did a bad job at organizing them all. However, we'd be worse off if it did. Obviously there's no way we wanted the NRA to be our wagon and all the other organizations to be the horses pulling it. That was never the intention. And that's how some people perceive it. But that's not the way it is. So what's really here is an opportunity for, like I was just saying, really the only way for the NRA to be saved is by the ranges getting together and doing something, the trainers doing something, the different interested organizations, the entities of the NRA to, to from the grassroots up, you know, save the organization, just like good roots going back up to the stem. But right. to suggest that like Wayne is going to go, oh, you know what? I changed my mind. Everything's okay. I'll just step down for free. It's ridiculous. And it's again, it's, it's apathetic to go, oh, well, we'll just wait until that happens or, you know, we'll just withhold funds until that happens. And then we've done something. That's the same as when people say, I'm going to throw 30 bucks at a three-letter organization. I'm 2A now. Okay. Uh, here's a question. Why such diehard loyalty to the NRA is what I don't Are you understand. saying, is this space Texan suggesting that I have diehard loyalty to the NRA? You're either not listening to me, space Texan, or you're so worried about being binary, meaning you can only see black and white, that you're being short-sighted. My loyalty is to the gun community and the opportunity that we're sitting here watching disappear to save an organization that's 150 years old. If you can only see it as a political issue, then I'm sorry for you. But I don't really care. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm sitting here voicing an opinion that I'm not going to suggest it's all Wayne's fault. So if you see that as a binary, it has to be your fault, then I think that's a thing you should talk to your therapist. That's why I love having you on the show, Chief Webbs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you speak your mind. Well, I'm not going to be bullied by somebody who's narrow-minded and who has to see, I don't know, Bloomberg's wishes 
being taken care of for free. It's ridiculous. So you're basically going to sit on Bloomberg's side and tell me, because I voice that I don't think it's just Wayne's fault, that Wayne alone didn't create this situation, that somehow you're going to sit on Bloomberg's side for free and throw rocks? Go for it, Space Texan. All right. Uh, here, here we go. Uh, he did ask, what is the solution? Yeah, right over. So since it came up, you go, hey, isn't it suck that Wayne LaPierre's solved or caused all problems? And I go, no, I don't think so. And then it's spend into this, like somehow I'm supposed to be the one with the solutions to the NRA. Uh, I, uh, Good well, luck. Well, Good luck. As Walt would say, go ahead, uh, you know, well, the reason that buck. Well, the the reason why I brought up that part of the question is because I don't think it's an easy solution. There's no solution. It's ridiculous. What's the solution to getting rid of the NFA? Big tough guy. You got the X. There's a solution to that. Maybe it's letting the NRA burn for Bloomberg. Hashtag watch the NRA bloom with bloom burn with Bloomberg. That's how you get the NFA out of here. Or do you save the NRA? on your way to getting rid of the NFA, to removing 4473s from existence, to challenging anything about 4473s so that universal background checks are like three steps away from what they even have on their their radar. All right, you want to switch subjects? Space <laughs> sure. Texan doesn't know how to talk in chats because if you're going to step up and be one of the many people watching the comment, then you have to be willing to accept a response to your comment and not go like all like, oh, you're being mean to me. Like, oh, I don't understand how comments work and that kind of stuff. So I'm using your crazy comment as the indicating like what the the devil's advocate position would be. But yeah, switch topics. I didn't come here to talk about the NRA on a Friday. Yeah, here's one one thing I, I wanted to uh, bring up. Um, and that is, uh, and that is, well, why do people think that we're losing the battle all the time when we have constitutional carry in almost, uh, 21 states? Um, I say almost 21 because of Texas, maybe even 22 with Louisiana and every state is now have some form of concealed carry. But when you hear people talk, you would think that our gun rates have actually went down since 2004 when they've actually expanded. Any idea? Nope. Sorry, Sorry, I was doing something. I wasn't listening. Okay. (laughs) I'll start over. Okay. Why do you think that a lot of people think uh, we are losing the gun rights battle when we have almost... We have between 20 and 22 states, depending on if Louisiana and Texas get their constitutional carry passed and a bunch of uh, Second Amendment Protection Acts. All 50 states are now have some form of concealed carry. Uh, We have more firearms legal now than we did in 2020 years ago. Um, But a lot of people still think that we were losing. We have less rights now. Oh, yeah, those are people that aren't paying attention and that just listen to the people that need you to tune in every day. Whatever the what do you call the headline news people that you know don't really pay attention. They just look at the superficial headlines and regurgitate them. Because just like everything you just said, plus I could go on and on. 
I'd be accused of being two two A. But uh, yeah, dude, we're winning on so many fronts, except for a few. A you know, few all over the place. With that said, though, it's very important that we get involved right now because uh, they're going to try to turn the tide with uh, people like David Chipman coming into office and. Well, coming not office, but being nominated for head of the ATF and stuff like that. And the whole entire ATF is just out of control. So with that said, we still need to fight and we need to fight like for our lives right now. We have to fight like we're in a losing position, but we're actually in a winning position. When I say fight like we're in a losing position, I mean, everyone get involved and not sit, just sit back. Give it the time to go on the offensive and take some of these rights back. Man, I hear you, but I can't get behind that, that sense of urgency, I guess, because I've just been too, through too many of these. So were you, what, where were you at in 2013 with Obama's 23 executive actions? And then about this time of the year when we were starting to be able to read easy because it was making it fairly clear that he wasn't going to, he had more bark than bite. I've been full steam ahead before that and since then. I, I've had the well, same I'm sense of urgency is, all the way through. But I, is, I know I'm a little bit different. That this reminds me of that era. That was a little different because we got a, kick, a punch in the face out of nowhere, so, so to speak, as far as politically. Um, we had been in a bit of a slap fest up until then. That was a punch in the face. So with uh, this new whatever coming in in July or January, I guess. And then coming in with the six weak ass executive suggestions or whatever they were, uh, that's different. And the, the lead up we had to not knowing what was coming is I guess trying to make the analogy I'm making. So that's why I don't have the same urgency. If we call everybody to the table right now, they're going to look around and go for what I say, get the people who are in the fight, stronger and better but i don't think it's the time to bring everybody up from the cellar and the attic and get everybody on track because there's nothing there's no task to give them right now now if i'm wrong let me know but uh, david chipman david chipman is, is, yeah we have to Dude, we have to defeat him yeah so so what that, yes obviously but the thing is they brought up a guy who literally is standing in front of dead people and he's, I mean, could they literally, I mean, is it possible for them to have pick a more heinous, like bad example to run the ATF? I don't even think there's a living person that could be worse. So I hear you. But again, bringing everybody to the table, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk, but unless I'm wrong, I'm not paying attention as much as you. Is it like imminent that this guy's going to win? Or we're not win, but, you know, be, be, be placed. It's going to be very, very close. Like maybe a vote. Or two. That's how close it's going to be by just even today. Um, what are you talking about in the Senate? Yes, there's basically uh, the key. I hate to keep on saying it is uh, Mansion <laughs> again. Well, that's fine. So, where's all these people that were yelling at me because I somehow am blind lust for the NRA and I hate every two every uh, Second Amendment person because. Uh, they're not for the NRA enough. Where are they with this Chapman is, uh, or whatever his name is, is going to be uh, 
basically going to, you know, just about teetering into the role. Because obviously he'd be the worst thing ever. Like yeah. I say, I don't think there's a person on the planet that could be a worst pick for the head of the ATL. Uh, there, there can't be, but right now, close. you know, uh, right now, uh, there's like right now it looks like it's 49 against 49 four and one undecided and that's mansion i don't know who he is because i don't play enough politics pay attention no, to he's politics, a so. democrat from uh west virginia i've heard his name before so i don't know why but uh again if that's the case if this dude's teetering on i don't know sports if this is a dude who's a ball teetering on the rim of whatever the hoop is or whatever and they're all up there slapping each other to try to get that thing in then yeah it would seem like everyone should be yelling from the rooftops to be making their senators and representatives aware of this right yeah i'm actually wrote a bunch of alerts today to go out to uh like not a bunch i wrote an alert for uh, west virginia today for example to have people contact Mansion because Mansion is basically undecided, so it's going to be very, very close. And this guy right here, um, I, I, he wrote in a 2018 paper that the ATF should reclassify can doesn't need Congress to ban uh, detachable magazines. That the ATF should reclassify all detachable magazines as machine guns. That's not an exaggeration. That's what he said he wants to do. And he he wanted the ATF to do back in 2018. So that's how extreme this guy is. We've gone for hours talking about examples of how crazy this guy is. I don't think anybody... I mean, again, he is a guy who worked for moms. So, again, it's... I mean, I don't even think it's legal. I'd be surprised that it could go through whatever process. How do they do this anyway? It's uh, been so long. It's been two administrations since there's even been a head of the ATF. Is it like when they do, I don't know, is it like when they do one of the, what are they called, secretaries or whatever they're called, where they have to be like, well, that's what they're doing, I guess, this this the appointment through Congress of this person? Yeah, the appointment for, through Congress. He is a lobbyist. Oh, that's how it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's hearing the, the hearings. Yes, the hearings should be at the end of this month. If we if if they're not delayed, they can always be delayed. But right now, they're set for like the end of the month. Uh, there, we don't have a a firm date on there. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be incredibly close the way it is now. Uh, what I am doing is I'm sending. And contacting like every senator that I can on both sides to say, hey, look at this. I'm sending him uh, pictures of of like him standing across there. I actually contacted the lawyer who who that picture came from. The case it came out of a case, and uh, I know the lawyer had like video from Waco and stuff of Chipman, but uh, unfortunately, he destroyed it five years ago. Which sucks. All right. So now you're saying that there's the, what do they call those things? The, is it a hearing? What do they call that? A hearing. Like, yes. What do they call it? Confirmation a, hearing. Confirmation hearing. I knew there was another word for it. Um, anyway, so if that's not happening until the end of the month, um, I don't know. I mean, again, well, well, we your, think your suggestion is this. We think it's happened at the end of the month. I mean, they can change it and say, okay, well, we're going to do it next week. 
Okay, so I don't know the process for that. So if we don't even know when the hearings are going to take place, we also then, am I wrong? We don't know if they're going to say, you know what, this guy's a bad choice. Let's bring in XYZ person instead and then uh, start the whole process over again. That could just as easily happen considering we haven't had an ATF head the last two administrations. So not just like eight years, but like 12 years, right? More. I mean, if if he had like minimum support or we can pull out some support you know then then that could happen but right now with the amount of support he has it's not going to happen unless we are able to get some senators to flip their their perceived vote or the way they're leaning now but but with the um, amount of votes that he has people committed to vote for him right now there's no way they're going to pull his nomination. Wait, there's no, there's no, in other words, with the amount of votes he has, oh, you're saying with the amount of votes he has, it's too close of a potential win that they wouldn't pull him from the running. They would, for an unknown, they got a good enough chance to push him through. Correct. Okay. So here's my next point. And I was kind of saying this, if it's been like 12 years since they've even had an ATF head, obviously it wasn't a big push for Obama. I missed talked about the, you know, he failed with his executive actions and shit. So he knew that, uh, that, you know, guns weren't going to be a winning strategy for him. So he backed off his, his, his policies backed away from that for the most part. Uh, he still had horrible slices to us, our freedom and whatnot, but for the most part, he didn't even bother to push an ATF guy. Trump never bothered. And now, you know, we got this guy pushing it. He's also pushing a million other things. So I don't like to look at things, uh, in a vacuum, although I don't pay attention to anything else except 2A, so that's why I always have to ask. So again, with that lead up, is this just showing mirrors? Like we don't obviously we don't need an ATF head. We haven't had one for 12 years. They're running along, being horrible without one. This guy wants one because he desperately needs diversion from the border, from immigration, from the economy, from the cough, from everything else he wants a diversion from. He desperately needs the mechanism of the gun community to get all up in arms and create a ruckus that fills up the switchboards with all the different senators and stuff, or, you know, that's just an example of all the different things that we do. We buy stuff. We, you know, we, we do all kinds of stuff. We get all, we, we, we don't bother them with other stuff. We certainly aren't pushing for constitutional carry uh, or I mean uh, national reciprocity when we're complaining about, you know, who's going to be nominated for something. So that's a long way of saying, is this just a big push for a guy who, in a for a position that nobody really cares about and that we could not go another 12 years without it uh the with his poly with chipman chipman is you gotta one thing that you have to uh realize is chipman's a zealot he is not in it he he when 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 uh anti-gun to him is a religion so he will try to pass some of his stuff. Thank you, Armor and Access, for the two dollars. I'll get you your super chat in one second. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, but yeah, I mean we all know that he's a bad dude, but I'm saying they don't have any chance of this thing doing anything and it's completely a diversionary thing. I'm just Throwing yeah. that out there is, well, you know, how often are we going to jump every time they go? 
hey, we need you people to be upset about something. Hey, we need you to be upset about well, something. Uh, well, the thing with Chipman is that he is of the thinking that have you heard of Chevron deference? The gas station. Well, it's actually, it's it's a case based on the gas station. Chevron deference means that if something is unclear, that the, um, the meaning falls back to the agency. So basically, if there's a regulation that's unclear, the way that the agency interprets that regulation is the way that um, the regulation is, right? Uh, Chipman believes that the definition of a machine gun is unclear. Therefore you can classify whatever the hell you want as a machine gun. And he plans on using that to get rid of detachable magazines. I'm not talking about like standard capacity magazines. I'm talking about detachable magazines because he says it speeds up the rate of fire. Therefore a detachable magazine is a machine gun. So that's the type of person we'll have in there. And uh, he's a big proponent of Chevron deference. And that's the scary thing. So he basically believes that any gun regulation can be, uh, any like gun regulation can be done by the ATF and it doesn't have to go through Congress. So that's kind of scary, which means, you know, let's say they do that and they change the definition of machine gun, right? Well, while it's taken us like five years to fight that in court, all these magazine companies are going to be going out of business. And they don't, they don't even do it to win. They do it just to stall enough time to pick companies out of business. Very underhanded tactics. You know? Yes, you know, I mean, taking a bunch of ifs there, but I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the same way that that could be a, what you're talking about there would be you know, extrapolated into a diversionary tactic. That's my, still my question is his whole uh, nomination a diversionary tactic. When you attempt to bring somebody in who's marginal or like, you know, a hidden abomination that's way more scary than the worst possible pick on the planet no worst I, possible pick on the planet makes me think that you're either an idiot or you're picking the worst possible pick on the on, on the planet because you need a diversion he picked chipman so, as the payback but the fact that he picked an atf person right now is my question like that is yeah, that but that was usually they're going to, after 12 years, all of a sudden it's going to happen. You can't get anything else accomplished, but that'll get accomplished through Congress. Well, one one thing is a bunch of super PAC money came in from Bloomberg super PACs into the Biden campaign. So this is a payback to those people. Okay. Because so uh, this is the follow through on a pre- whatever on some kind of agreement or originally or something. This is the 
follow through on it. Bring yeah. Chapman in. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Bloomberg dumped so much money into. Um, I hate to bring out Bloomberg all the time, but he's just. He, he he plays no, a shelf game. He's the guy on the inside that stirs everything. Yeah, yeah he has money in and he stirs everything. Yeah, you have a lot of money, and he runs all these different organizations. So legally, he can't give all this money to whatever, but you know his organizations can, which is how he funnels funnels money into. Um, you know, he has like 80 super PACs and mom's demand action, every town, all these anti-gun groups and all this other stuff. So it's really, he, he's, he's playing within the rules, but I don't think he's playing by the spirit of the rules. There's not rules, but yeah, I know what you're trying to say. He's well, playing within the, the laws or whatever. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's but, playing the law, but yeah, he's being a jerk about it and he's definitely trying to manipulate stuff that, all laws are de- designed to prohibit, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Do you, know, you know, mom at arms, the, I know they're on Instagram. I don't know if they're on other platforms. Yeah. They've been on my show. All right. Right on. So they're, they're Virginia. I think they're doing what Jill, right? Jill from Virginia. Okay. Right on. So I didn't know. I just know them from Instagram and I know it's a couple of them that run the thing, but you know, their focus is on following the money following the relationships and the whatnot on that side. I think there's great value there. Cause again, this is where I I'm, I've been of the mindset that the gun side is a mechanism for the, whatever, whoever it is that you think they are right. The, the, the whoever it is, it's pulling the strings or running things or whatever. Uh, I'm concerned that whenever they need to, they throw the right bait out and we run around chomping at the bait. And every once in a while they catch something. And if they don't, like you said, they don't care. They don't care if they win anything. Their job is to divert us and to keep us paying money on stupid things and to keep us distracted, I guess is the word I was looking for, from either the real things or from things that they are, you know, the bigger, longer game that they're playing. So I think that Jill does a or the Mom at Arms project does a great job of uh, focusing on that element, keeping it mapped or whatever. And that's why I... I can't, I can't get all upset about Chapman. He's the worst dude on the planet. I mean, it's such like, it would be like Biden walking up, closing his eyes, falling asleep and hitting a home run. I mean, I wouldn't be, you know, it can happen, right? We know that we've seen that kind of stuff happen already. It, that's what it would be because this is, can't imagine a whole bunch of senators just sit there silently after all the gun stuff has gone through and they're going to go, you know what, this guy does seem like a great deal. This guy's crazy new ideas seem great. No. Plus, it's got a month. If we start down today, all our senators, like all those that are going on in the world, we're gonna start yelling at them today. If Yeah, but they can always they can always change the hearing. They can move up the hearing, they can move it back. Um what I don't want them to do is all of a sudden surprise move it up. It's <laughs> like next week. Right. Well, if I'm misunderstanding, you you know, you started all this with this is a call to get on board. And I guess I was saying, hey, I don't know what do we all need to get up for because when we get up and there's nothing to do. So maybe it's time to get everybody on board, time to call the senators and get them all battle to get the people that are used to calling senators to call their senators. And whenever this happens, get ready for phone calls because I'm calling today, but I'm going to call everybody I know when the hearings are here. So, you know, if we're talking at that level of getting ready, I'm with you. Yeah, that, that's I'm what I'm talking about. Like that. 
okay, I'm totally with you because I don't want to be ignoring stuff. And that's where I think that, and I guess maybe that's the way to where I was going to get. If we call the sky is falling every time something happens, we wear everybody out and they leave and they get distracted by who's calling the sky is falling, right? And they don't like the way that you're calling it or the way I'm calling it or whatever. But if we call just the people who are interested in looking at the sky once in a while, and then when it's important, bring everybody on board so that everybody doesn't feel like they're getting called every time we got something to talk about, uh, we might be better off. But I don't know how that is uh, accomplished more than just wishing. Okay, I want to get to the super chat. Armorman and Axis says, can we all agree that Biden is just a puppet? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he knows. I don't, I don't think he's a... A super villain, like all on top of everything, pulling all the strings. I don't think he knows where he is most of the time. <laughs> I've watched the, what did I watch? I guess the one out or whenever it was, the like 100 day press conference. Mm-hmm. It was close to an hour, right? Or was it a half an hour? Anyway, it was a long time for him and I watched it and he did not mess up. So I'm not going to fall for the thing that, you know, he can't finish a sentence. He can certainly finish a sentence when he wants to. Uh, but he's also been a senator pretty much his entire life, probably longer than I've been alive, maybe. So I don't trust nobody that's been a politician that long. He's going to blunder and flubber whenever he needs to on cue, at least I'm assuming that's what his, he's doing, to make himself be uh, the, you know, be uh, mis, uh, whatever, misrepresented as an opponent. But uh, I don't think that he's the one on top, no. I think that there's definitely a team of people, whatever's going on over there. But uh, I'm also not going to assume that he's not paying attention. I think most of the time there's other people behind the scenes. I think there are exceptions. Like, I don't think anyone was, like, pulling the strings for Trump. Um, But I think, like, the like George W. Bush, I definitely believe that there was someone pulling the strings. And uh, Biden, like I think so. It was more like a team presidency, right, than a single entity presidency. We've seen a couple of those. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And they go into it kind of with that kind of everybody knows, right? And that's, I guess, what people are down with. Yeah, I I think with uh, like Trump, though, I don't think that there was a I I think Trump was Trump. You weren't going to tell him anything. No, otherwise he would have been the best actor in the world, and I don't think that's the case. I think he was just regular, way more closer to a regular person, just not acting perfectly, right, but being normal or himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to remember, the president is on TV, like, constantly, and he's being filmed and everything. So almost everything that he does is... um scripted <laughs> you know it's like a reality show you're watching when you're watching the president you know even even down to okay well you're gonna kiss your wife here blah 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 you yeah know. and just as uh armament was saying um somebody who's been a, pro- a politician that long a 30 minute speech probably isn't nothing for somebody who's oh, been no. speaking speeches their whole life i mean that's probably you could probably do that walking backwards, you know, that, that even at 70 or whatever your age old is. Yeah. Uh, Armand Axis says, um, I think Trump had a good team, but did his own thing. Biden does what he's told. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. I guess it's true. All presidents have a team. Just some presidents are the boss of that team, and other presidents are just a part of the team. Right? That is correct. That is definitely But I think correct. that uh, whenever you see, well, I don't pay that much attention, but when I see like somebody get kicked out or something and I go watch something that's in response to that, it seems like most of the presidents will run through their people. Like they don't, very few of them, except for the vice president, right? They don't keep their staff usually all four years and definitely not all eight years. Like they, they run through people. It's probably a pretty tough job to be. Yeah. When you get a, a like a, a cabinet level position, basically you, you don't have vacation. You don't, you, you're that 24 seven. Um, you're on call 24-7, whether it's Christmas, whether you're on vacation, whether you're here. Um, and that has to become your top priority. And that's why a lot of people get burned out. That's why people don't make it the whole eight years as a, a cabinet pick. You know, when my wife had a chance to be like a White House doctor, she turned it down because basically it was the same thing. Oh yeah, that's got to be like a commitment to sacrifice, right? Like you yeah. understand that you're going to give of yourself for a certain amount of time, and that you're not going to be able to replace that amount that was taken, right? Like you're going to need to give them your time, and I can't imagine how much effort there is, but I can imagine there's probably the requirement to offer, you know, all the effort if needed, you know, in a horrible situation or whatever, but. uh you know, just the stress of being in at call like that. Yeah, that would take a toll on anybody. Would. For example, and that's that's what unsung. For example, like the White House doctors, uh, if they get a call and say, "Oh, the president's going to uh, Korea in 15 minutes," you got to get here. Then you got to go. <laughs> you know, no matter what, yeah, you're going to Korea in 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're turning that and down. That, and that doesn't get like always planned. Right, like something happens in Korea, you're going to Korea in 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what, the, and that's why she was like, you know, I, I want to, I want to raise my family. I don't want to be. I mean, it would look great on a resume, <laughs> but you know, it would be worth the sacrifice. And uh, she decided, to her credit, that no, it wouldn't be worth the sacrifice. I'd rather be with my family. I would family. imagine something like that. Is that something that's like? at the pleasure of the party in power? Or is that like you're the White House doctor and then the presidents come through and you're just the White House doctor until somebody else comes along, but like Democrat, Republican, good, bad, you're, you're the doctor. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a nonpartisan position. Um, this, this happened under when Obama was in office and my wife, uh, is not exactly a Democrat at all. She's more right than I am. <laughs> You know, so it, it's more based on skill. Uh, military doctors, uh, she was in the Air Force when uh, she was getting out of the Air Force when it was offered to her. So, There's probably a lot of like procedure and protocol stuff that applies to the military, you know, that military has familiarity with where our regular doctors would have to learn all that or up train and all. Yeah, that's why almost every doctor in the White House actually was originally a military doctor. So because all like all the procedures are military based and stuff like that. 
so it's very so i i gotta credit her um she loves her family and she showed it by turning down like an opportunity of a lifetime to help raise and she didn't even think about it it was just like no so gotta give her that you know the real when you know the real deal it doesn't take very long to make a decision right yeah because it would be it would have it would wouldn't have been fun. <laughs> like, I mean, right now she, I mean, she's, she's been deployed twice this year and she might be deployed again soon. So that sucks enough. If it is, you know, I had to pay Mr. Mom for a little bit <laughs> every once in a while, but it's, you know, I know what I signed up for, <laughs> you know, sacrifice and giving back, is a big part of my family life with my wife and with me and everyone else. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Don't even worry about it, Armor and Access. Armor and Access says, sorry, I have not been on your show. We've got a lot of going on with life. You know, I've been trying to get him on the show forever, but just haven't been able to do it. But totally understandable, man. It's all good. All right, just, happened to, be, just happened to be there while he was doing the premiere a little earlier. Yeah. All right, G Webs. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I want to tell everyone out there to go ahead join join my Discord. That's my new community where I can talk to everyone because I love talking to people, especially all you wonderful people out there. Uh, this week I will be doing um. The Virginia Reloader will probably be on Sunday night. I'm going to do another podcast with uh, Dart Like Dugan. Remember that guy, uh, Dart? You know, Dark Like Dugan? You ever watch your show? No. I you know, I, remember, I, you might actually do Dugan Ashley? No. Kana Karn? Kana Karn? Back in the day? Is that a YouTube no. Yeah, it was like, it was like the big, it was like the first gun channel. Hmm. About that, but okay. <laughs> no, no. It, I mean, it was one of the first gun channels. Uh, I mean, they started doing gun content back in like 2006. Oh, right on. Now that I missed them completely, I guess. Yeah, uh, it was like 2006 until like uh, like 2012 when he just got because there wasn't really a lot of way to make money. But he he felt that he was kind of like became like the class gesture. He made all these funny videos and. You know, when you talk, try to talk about some something serious, like two A issue, people are like, "Oh, go back and doing that," <laughs> you know, the funny stuff. So uh, he felt like the a jest, only a jester, so he quit. But uh, they started a podcast called Dark Like Dugan uh, with three guys, and one of the guys, um, Dark Like Dugan, on the channel. One of the guys is actually lives very close to me. So I'm going to be going on their show. They're all old school gun guys from YouTube, like from back in the day before you can actually make money on YouTube before the monetization partner program. Cool. So, but yeah, that's when they left. But yeah, they were like 2006 ish. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. YouTube was awesome back then. And, uh, you know, that's when, uh, was that you could still do video comments so a community started back then and well i guess there was partners but um, 
you really didn't make money. Technically, oh. partner just gave you a bigger channel and some extra features and stuff, and then they well, started to monetize. But yeah, it definitely had a difference there. At about 2014, it went way different. Yeah, well, then that partnership, you had to apply, and they reviewed your channel, and they decided, you know. Yeah, it wasn't a money thing at first. It was more of like, are you, because remember, YouTube started with all kicked in the balls and kitten videos and stuff. So a lot of us were just using YouTube as a place to put video because it was really expensive to host video on your own websites or on a forum. You couldn't put it on a forum. So you had, if you were in a forum, you wanted to host a video somewhere. YouTube was this great option and they allowed kitten videos and stuff, you know, kitten playing a piano. But uh, if you wanted to start really using it, they wanted to make sure you were contributing to the platform. So they wanted to evaluate if you were worthy or whatever. So it was more of like, you got a more deluxe channel you could lay out your channel the way you wanted and you had options and stuff. You could do your own thumbnail. I think that was one of the big things back then. Oh yeah. Everybody else got some default thumbnail, I think. So anyway, that, that was a great time to be on YouTube because that was when the gun community developed from the forums into the video with the faster internet that was going around and people started to own phones that could record you know, video that was usable and shareable. Uh, you know, so as the internet was getting bigger, videos were small enough to still fit on there. So it was a perfect time. And the forums were horrible, mean places. And YouTube was the opposite. You, YouTube was a collaborative, fun place to, to be a gun community. Yeah, I think Dugan um, and the whole Kana Karn thing, uh, it, it arrived a little bit early. Because he came before you could... Um, before everyone moved over to YouTube and before you could do thumbnails and you could actually build something um, like he came and went before like Ivy 88 or all those guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they all started in 14. Yeah. So he, he was gone by then, but uh, he went, like, I think 2006 to 2012, maybe 2013. Well, right around 12. Well, in 12 is when we got, the YouTube Hangouts, but the live had already started in about 11 or 10 even. We had been going live on different like apps, basically, or the equivalent of apps back in the day, little websites that would let you go live called like Quick and stuff like that. And we would uh, go live on these alternative websites and then cam. <laughs> record them. Yeah, record them and then broadcast them on our YouTube later as videos. And then we'd have community startup like what we got right now in the Hangouts, you know, like what this is started in like 10 or 11. And because that was starting off YouTube, a lot of people left to go do the live stuff, basically the equivalent of beginnings of podcast, the live podcast, but also just the live, sort of like a live version of Discord back in the day. It was the closest thing you had to it. You know what? Uh, so there you were people that left for that. But also when YouTube started to sell out, a lot of people were like, I'm done with this. This is horrible. That's when I quit doing YouTube. I quit doing reviews in 2014 because everybody just went lame, went really bad. You, you, you know what I didn't realize until a couple months ago is Twitch was actually originally Justin TV. I thought they were two different websites. <laughs> They got sold or something or just rebranded? They rebranded Twitch, but Justin TV, I don't know. I used to go live on Justin TV back in the day. And that was one of the things that you would go live on because YouTube couldn't, but then you could go live and plug it into your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, but then they rebranded Twitch. I never knew that was the same company. 
It makes sense because I knew Twitch was huge and I don't pay attention, but I knew that I've heard of that other one before. Yeah, Justin TV was the original stream site. Yeah, well, I'm saying it was mostly video gamers, so like we weren't uh, no, fun uh, people were on a couple of different. No, Justin TV didn't start out as video games until they switched to Twitch. Oh, really? Well, I don't know. It seemed like it was a bunch of kids on it. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that well, that's what it originally, that's what it kind of morphed into. And you got to give them credit because originally, it, it, I mean, they didn't morph it into that. The community morphed it into that and they embraced it. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. These things didn't get like mapped out. We're going to become this. They just sat there and watched it happen. And if they made money doing it, then it still exists. And if they went out of business, then everybody moved over to someplace else. But yeah, uh, I told I know you. Yeah. Which was kind of, it's kind of cool how they were able you know, starting like a business from a business perspective, how they were able to pivot and embrace the change. Yeah. Well, they certainly saw it coming. Yeah. And it's also YouTube didn't, right? YouTube was sitting there not doing nothing while all that was happening. Yeah. Well, Justin TV saw like, it's like, Oh, most of our content is not video games. Let's just brand, you know, rebrand twitch and become gaming um central <laughs> now do you stream on twitch now are you on twitch right now we are on twitch yes i stream there every once in a while but i never nobody ever shows up over there so i don't know twitch is all you gotta do is flip a switch and it's on twitch yeah i i go to twitch d live uh periscope which is twitter uh facebook uh and uh, YouTube, and w- when we do our Virginia Reloaded, where we stream to eight locations, so we're all over the place. But that includes uh, like Gorillas and Guns channel and the Gorillas and Guns Facebook group, too. And the GOA Virginia Facebook group, since it's a GOA podcast, right? And uh, Gorillas and Guns is uh, my co-host. And then that way you stream live, and it just basically deposits a copy of the video after on each of those places then. Yeah, yeah. I also download it all the time. And uh, I have my little roadcaster, so um, the the audio only version of this will go up and then I record, uh, I do multi-track recording for Virginia reloaded and I have, I have a producer on Virginia reloaded. So I give him and let him do whatever he needs to do. I don't have a, I don't make enough money on, on fireside chats to pay a producer. So I do it myself, but on Virginia reloaded, we have, I have a producer. Yeah, that's where they go in and filter the levels or whatever. And yeah, I started in the same range and then add your pieces to make it fancy and then it seems easier to listen for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, I, re- I record on single channel here, but there I give them eight different tracks and he remixes the tracks and whatnot. But like I said, it would be too expensive to do it on this one. But yeah, uh, we got off on another topic. Everyone check me out at crumpy.com. I'll be back next week with some really, really cool guests. Um, 
I don't know who yet, but actually I do. Damn it. G-Web's audio just dropped really low. Um, I do have someone on Monday. Um, I cannot remember who it is. I'm sorry. But yeah, Monday I have, I definitely have someone on, but with that, um, yeah, uh, we are going to be out of here. I'm going to kick it over to G-Webs. Thank you for watching G-Webs. You have the final word. Right on. Thanks again for uh, the impromptu show doing the uh, update for the uh, FOIAs earlier, Freedom of Information requests. And then uh, Walt that was in here, he's live right now. G23 was in here earlier. He'll be live tomorrow. And uh, that guy Clover out there goes live once in a while too. Maybe he'll do an update on the Texas hearing. Yeah, I really want to get on Clover's podcast, but he always does it like while my kids are still awake. Dude, and now he just scheduled it out like for two months in advance, as far as I can tell. You're not in that list. You're seeing all kinds of other people in there. Yeah, yeah, I got something against you a lot. No, I it's the kids. I have kids. I have a little kid, so that's why when I do my light nighttime recording, I record at um like ten o'clock at night eastern because my kids are in sleep by that time or record now while my kids are busy doing other stuff so i got that that gap in between where i can't do either one but either way thanks again for letting me uh, take it off on lots of topics yeah man it was really fun once again guys thank you so much please please like comment and subscribe share this video out check out john crump news my discord is in the chat so join us for our conversation we have a lot of really cool conversations and if you like what i do here um go ahead and click over to my patreon and get some awesome patreon only patches and with that we are out of here guys if i can hit the right button right